Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Going, everyone. Welcome back to Casing the League on Believe Network. The new reform of what Casing the League is, touching base on all of the professional sports, all the interesting things going on in the sports world. We kicked off the new format with John Ledyard, somebody who I love and appreciate so much. And now for our next guest, we have returning the one and only Greg Wyshynski, who um, I couldn't be more excited to chat with, especially for episode two of this new format, because we're going to have some fun with it. we got to catch everybody up on the hockey season. But first and foremost, Greg, how are you? How's been the, the start of your new year? Because it feels like we went from December 25th to March, even though that's two days away still. I'm good. I'm good. We had a, we had a baby in, in January, which was cool. Uh, a little, little baby named Iris. Uh, so it's been, it's been interesting and fun to, uh, you know, do, do the gig with the baby. Uh, a couple of interviews I've done with a baby on my chest, which has been fun, <laughs> but, uh, but it's been cool, man. It's a, she's, she's a, she's a doll. So it's been, it's been a good year so far. Iris has already made her debut. Was that musically influenced by any chance? No, it was, it was what like Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> no, she, she, so we, we had a, we have a list of, we had a list of like 20 names and we were like, uh, we actually, when my wife was pregnant, we were, we were trying out a different name each week and calling her by that name to see what fit. And we were able to eliminate some, like she clearly wasn't a Matilda. Uh, we found out when we were trying that. And then and then at the hospital after she was born, we were down to like two or three names and, and it was right down to the wire. Like we were one foot out the door before we actually put her name on the uh, on the on the birth certificate. So it's a, it's a cute name. Iris Winter, uh, it, it, you know, obviously as a hockey guy, I got to get some some, some ice or, or cold or in there somewhere. So she's she's a great kid. Wow, that's going to be fantastic to see how Iris Winter comes about. What a prompt. What a fantastic name, by the Thank way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think we nailed it. Yeah, I think you guys did too. I love the concept of how much you can put thought into a baby's name and when you can change it. My best friend changed her child's name about six months after um, <laughs> originally Camila, now Esther, um, came into this world. So you got you to gotta get to know them first for a second to decide what their identity is going to be in this wonderful world. Um, as you guys know, before we dive into what I'm so excited to dive into with Greg Wyshynski here... Uh, Casing the League is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs, hockey needs, of course, football, draft, everything else coming up. But most importantly, those pro and college hoops throughout the year. We got March Madness coming up. Uh, with up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite teams past the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. I love a good player prop. Head to Bet Online today to become a part of the team. And remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Um, now, as I mentioned before, Greg, we got to catch everybody up on what's been going on in the hockey world. I like to say that the NHL is three seasons in one. You got the first half, which is what it is. We're, we're getting things going. We're feeling things out. We're excited about absolutely nothing. Uh, then comes the second half of the season where you've got everything that you didn't have on your bingo card or your Nostradamus and you saw some things come to light that nobody else saw. And then you got the third part of the season, which is playoffs. Um, so in order to get us prepared for this, I wanted to break it down in terms of SAG awards. 
just watch the award season. Are you a big fan of the award seasons? Huge fan of the award season. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to the point of uh, of following the Oscar Derby very early. I, I try to see all the movies. I, I fail usually most years, but I do follow uh, the award season pretty closely. Oh, I'm excited. I knew you were the guy. I knew you were the, <laughs> team on the shoulder. So as we get into our uh, our categories, our awards, I think we have to start with the leading man. This is the, the, the actor that's been on the most prominent screen or the most important movie of the year or the most important show of the year, but he made the biggest impact. And this could translate to the Hart Award category if you want it to. But who's your leading man of the NHL right now? It's got to be Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. I think as you've watched the awards uh, uh, scuttlebutt through the months, he's been the one who's been leading for the Hart Trophy for most of the year for NHL MVP. Uh, Crazy point streak on home ice. Uh, Also had a point streak overall that was really impressive. The thing about McKinnon is that he's sort of like that. that He's a bit like Paul Giamatti, actually, in the sense of uh, this is somebody who everybody felt should have been rewarded in the past for, for his work. I don't think uh, the fact that Giamatti didn't win for sideways is still something that sticks in people's craws. And the fact that Nathan McKinnon, despite this incredible career and a Stanley Cup victory, doesn't have an MVP award to his credit is something that a lot of people are uh, are trying to, I think, rectify this season. So uh, an incredible offensive season, uh, extraordinarily important to his team. Uh, but when it comes to the ultimate MVP this year, I feel like he has a bit of that support in the it's his time kind of way from the voters. Ah, okay. So now you're bringing some things to light because, of course, a big part of this debate is Nathan McKinnon and Nikita Kucherov. Now, I wasn't sure if you said McKinnon just to hurt my feelings. Um, But (laughs) what I'd love to illuminate is the fact of you mentioned it's probably just it's time. Nathan McKinnon has been a workhorse. He's been tremendous. Um, He's also overcome massive injuries and and bounce back time and looking like he's missed no time at all. Uh, Where does this debate lie in terms of maybe why he should be the runner-up versus Nikita Kucherov broke a hundred points the other night is the guy for his team. If he hasn't accumulated the points that he has, Tampa probably wouldn't have some of the wins under their belt that they have accumulated um, in a very different season than most of us anticipated. It's, it's a four player race. I think at this point, I mean, you have McKinnon, you have Kucherov, uh, Austin Matthews is going to have the statistic argument in the sense that if he pops like, 75 goals this season it's going to be hard to deny him as as someone who's going to get some mvp support even if the leafs are just kind of like where they are usually in the standings mm-hmm. and then there's uh connor mcdavid who you know the, the oilers were in the basement early on this season they make a coaching change mcdavid goes on a tear i don't know if he ultimately gets all the credit for their season turnaround but certainly uh is going to get a lot of it um i say mckinnon because that's where the wind's blowing okay I, I, I am a Kucherov guy, though, for the Hart Trophy and for the MVP award. I actually think it's kind of insane that Kucherov hasn't gotten more support for the award, uh, not only because his point pace this season is better than when he won the MVP with that right. monster offensive year, but, but also because his team arguably has faced more adversity in their lineup than, than most teams in the league. I mean, you know, starting the season without Andre Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky comes back and he's not himself. Uh, Sergachev goes out of the lineup. Um, the, the team itself is in a, in sort of a transition phase from the four lines, six D that we saw win back to back cups to being a team that is a little bit thinner than it's been in, in recent years. So to me, Kucherov's the answer to me, Kucherov should be leading for this award. Um, I think the reason he isn't is because of, like I said, the whole 
it's Nathan McKinnon's time thing. And, uh -huh. he, and, and, and Nate has certainly had, I think, more highlight driven uh, arguments with the point streak and some of the goals he scored than Kucherov does. But for me, like Kuch has been the MVP by far. Maybe, maybe people are still angry that he, he dogged it at the All-Star game. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, but, he, but, he, but he certainly is my MVP. You took the words out of my mouth. I was like, maybe he got some votes removed from his side because of the all-star energy um, or lack thereof. Now, I, I love that you put that in basically a one-two answer in terms of Nathan Kahn's the leading man. It's his time, but uh, Nikita Kucherov has definitely made a, a loud case to have that Hart Trophy come home with him. Now, these guys maybe not so much in their personal category would be nothing without their supporting cast, but we love a guy that's helping these guys um, do better with their skill sets or alleviate their role in their work. And I think sometimes it's the supporting cast that needs a little bit more acknowledgement, a little bit more conversation around their names. Who are some of your supporting uh, guys, your supporting role in this uh, race so far? It could be an underdog. It could be somebody who's setting up some of the top guys in the league who are a handful of guys that are on your radar. Well, I mean, I think for, for me, like one of the guys that's been unsung and, and I don't know if his team will ultimately make the playoffs or not is a guy named Noah Dobson on the New York Islanders. He's been around third or fourth in scoring all year. Doesn't necessarily get into the same conversations that uh, Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes get into as far as trying to win the Norris Trophy for the league's best defenseman. But for mm -hmm. me, has been, you know, maybe right underneath them, a tier underneath them and, and has really had a breakout season. So I think as far as like more unsung supporting character guys, He's certainly, uh, he's certainly top of my list. I love that, um, especially because whenever I have myself in a conversation with somebody about the Islanders, it's the Matt Barzell show or nothing. Yeah, right, um, exactly. <laughs> outside of that, I mean, it's been a little bit of flickers of, oh, what about Bo Harvat? And I'm like, that's fantastic. But yes, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Dobson's been such a pillar for that team being in any sort of contention they've had going on. Is there maybe a goalie in mind that you would put in this supporting character award role? Um, I feel like the goalie conversation has gone in a completely different direction than I had pinned in the beginning of the season. You know, when you look at the Bruins, you're thinking top two goalies in the league, and then you're looking out West and some guys just really started to get into rare form and be the top goaltenders to talk about outside of maybe even Hullabuck um, or, you know, any guy that we have prominently spoke of more. So who would you put in that category for the goalies? It's well, I mean, the, the one that was fun was Jonathan Quick uh, for the New York Rangers who went on a a career resurrection tear earlier this season when Igor Shachurkin wasn't playing well. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I mean, quick was awesome. I mean, he was vintage. He was, he was playing the kind of hockey that I don't think a lot of us thought he could still play at his age. Um, it, it, not necessarily, hasn't necessarily carried through nor have the Rangers needed it because Shachurkin really found his, his groove after the turn of the calendar. But quick was a really good story for a while. The guy who has been the best goalie in the league, uh, despite the fact that he's not necessarily gotten the same sort of love as, Connor Hellebuck or Jeremy Swayman or, or uh, Thatcher Demko is Jacob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames. Uh, yeah. goal, goalie, goal setting in the, in the NHL is interesting because you have these traditional stats that we use to measure goalies, save percentage, goals against average, wins, things mm -hmm. of that nature. And then there's an entire <clears throat> goalie analytics community that really knows what they're talking about and can tell you exactly who has got it and who doesn't in the season. And, and throughout the year, if you talk to these 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 goalie analysts that uh, you know do do things out of the public eye with their stats, um, they'll tell you Markstrom has been the best goalie by far uh, wow. this year. Uh, goal save above the expected, uh, high danger goal save, all the the metrics that you would use to determine 
who is actually the best and most effective goalie, it's been Markstrom um, in, in a pretty significant way. So whether he gets traded or not, who knows ultimately for, for Calgary, but as the Flames get back into the playoff race, like he's the reason. I love that, especially because it's always a huge debate, at least for us down here in Tampa, the eye test versus the statistical test. Um, I, for one, can get caught up in the numbers sometimes, but you really have to look at the consistency of what a certain goaltender or player is facing and at what level they're consistently facing that and, you know, what they're what they're coming up with progressively in those situations. Yeah. Um, this one's a fun one. Best drama series. Which team <laughs> has given us <laughs> the best Drama. It doesn't have to be negative per se. It can even be positive, but just the team that's like really always in the topic of all things. Um, who's your dra dramatic cast of the NHL at this moment? Wow, that's a good question. I mean, the Oilers are obviously high up on there in, insofar as like the dramatic swings that we've seen this year in the quality of the team. I mean, the Leafs are always up there insofar as them just being the Leafs and and people wondering about what will happen if things don't go well. The Penguins are probably up there too insofar as not as being – and maybe as good as people thought they would be and, and what that means to the future. Do they trade some of their players or not? Um, those would be the ones that, that come to mind as far as the most drama. I'm sure there's probably some scandal-ridden stuff that I'm missing. I mean, there's been guys like cut for doing coke on camera and things like that that have certainly besieged <laughs> some teams as well. But, uh, but those are some of the teams that come to mind insofar as the amount of attention they've gotten this year. Yeah, we're seeing some 70s era rearing up in some yeah. comedic ways, in my opinion. Although I thought that's the era that I would have thrived in the most. My parents. <laughs> um, what about the Flyers? Not to not to get too far into their drama, but more so, you know, you lose out on a player that you thought was going to stick around. There was a lot of conversations that swirled around that. Um, some very unnecessary, some quote unquote people digging deeper into it, but more so big picture. They've got some top picks coming in. They weren't expected to make the run that they're making. I mean, they've been categorized as a complete rebuild team for the past couple of seasons. And this year was supposed to be like the prime of their rebuild. Um, where do you foresee their season going? Are they a clear uh, playoff contender and what, how they've been most surprising to you this season? They, they're like, the Jason Voorhees of hockey teams at this point, and not just because Jason Voorhees wore a hockey mask. Like every time you think they're dead, they come back and they win like four games in a row. It's, it's inexplicable. Um, I, I did a story on them recently for ESPN.com to try to figure out what the player's perception of what they're doing this season is, because again, like this was a team that uh, a lot of people picked to finish last in the Metro division. They thought it was a time for them to rebuild, to, to look towards the draft lottery, to kind of figure out the next phase of the franchise. And then lo and behold, they're in a playoff spot for almost the entire season. So I asked them, like, what's that disconnect? Like, did you guys think you'd suck? And it turns out you don't. And they said when they walked into the locker room in the preseason, their perception of how good they could be was completely different than what was being said about the team. You know, they were, they were going to have a healthy Sean Couturier for the first time in a long time. They're going to have a healthy Cam Atkinson. Um, the chemistry in the locker room based off of last season was very strong. And so... They walked in, um, one, uh, Joel Farabee, one of the players in the team, said they walked in with an FU attitude, basically, because they looked at what people were saying about them. They looked at what how good they thought they could be. And it turns out that chip on their shoulder has really fueled what has been maybe the most surprising season of any team this year outside of maybe Vancouver and the success they've had. Um, the fact that the Flyers uh, aren't necessarily calculating their lottery odds, but instead are looking at their playoff odds at this point. 
I love that. And I also love talking about the Flyers, too, because, of course, there's always a split conversation when it comes to torts. But <laughs> I think he has one of the most exciting approaches to hockey. I love his authenticity, to be honest. And he gets results out of players that know how to respond to his style. I got to talk, talk to Jackie Redman about it, too. And she was just saying that, you know, some players, whether they loved his approach or not, they learned something from him. Could him being the, the head coach of this team in this time be obviously a significant factor into how they're getting to where they're going it is i mean not only because of the way that he has them play which is a pretty stout and dependable defensive game but mm -hmm. I, I talked to mark stall a bit about about torts for my story and stall played for torts in uh, new york when when uh, tortorello was the coach of the rangers and we talked about his maturation as a coach uh the fact that you know he was volcanic for a very long time with the rangers and then briefly in vancouver uh, and had earned that reputation of being a hothead, of being someone who's always riding his players hard. And I, and I said to Stahl, I'm like, how has that changed now that you see him in Philly all these years later? And he's like, you know, he clearly has learned how to maybe manage his emotions better, but he's also become a little bit more hands-off. Like he's a guy that will allow his assistants to run a practice. And Tortorella himself said with this, with this Flyers team being pretty young, he kind of like will be in the background. He'll observe. He'll understand. He'll he'll know when to 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 assert himself as a coach. But for the most part, he kind of lets these guys figure it out uh, on their own. And mm -hmm. I think that that hands off approach has really helped them uh, maintain a good emotional place for the majority of the season. Absolutely, especially when dealing with younger players and how much not only the game is changing, but approaches conversationally have to change yeah. when it comes to one-on-one. -on -one. So I love that insight. Now, uh, best comedic or rom-com team? <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning rom-com. Who's who's somebody who's who's just been the sweetheart of the league or you just can't help but get caught up in their story? Um, I feel like a couple teams come to mind. It could either be very obvious or maybe a, an underdog team that's that's made the biggest impact. It's Detroit. I mean, Detroit is without question, like one of the better stories this season. And so far as we, before the season, we all were wondering which one of these teams in the Atlantic division was going to jump up and, and, and become a playoff team. And it was either going to be Detroit or Ottawa or Buffalo. And uh, Ottawa fell apart. Go back to your drama question. The fact that they <laughs> fired their general manager and fired their coach, I think it's a lot of drama. Uh, Buffalo never got out of the starting gate. Again, another disappointing loss season for the Sabres. Uh, and Detroit ended up being that team. And so not only do you have the return to prominence for an original six team that has been kind of meandering for for several years after basically after Nick Lidstrom retired for them, they kind of went off and and, and started a prolonged rebuild. Um, but you also have this incredible story of Patrick Kane, uh, you know, having this surgery that few players have ever come back to be effective after in the NHL during the summer, biding his time choosing a team that he thought could be a playoff team that would be a good landing spot for him and then looking like Patrick Kane again basically this year in, in a way that no other player that had that surgery has has done so they're a real good vibes team I mean we'll all get back around to hating Detroit I mean it's, it's inevitable <laughs> right but like for now the fact that they've been able to get back into this thing and and be a relevant franchise again they're an important team like Detroit is definitely a team that pops a rating and has a massive Inter, you know, international following. Yeah. Um, the fact that they're back and being relevant, I think, is a, is the feel good story of the of the year. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And Patrick Kane has been the ultimate surprise. We got a chance to chat about him a little bit the first time I had you on Casing the League, and that's when we were figuring out where is he going. At least we both agreed that the Toronto Maple Leafs was the last, last, last place we wanted to see him. Um, but yeah, and and I don't think he's coming in with this having to prove anything approach. I think he's coming with this. Um, 
reawakening to his love for hockey and just playing the game. And I think that that's when you can see guys push through certain levels of, of injuries versus coming in and feeling this pressure of performing. And I think that Detroit as a whole, the staff, the front office did well at bringing Kane in and just allowing him to kind of reconnect with what he does so well being Patrick Kane, uh, two of the largest movies this past year, surprisingly enough, Barbie Oppenheimer. Have you seen both of them? I have. Of course you have. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of a battle and you're going to have to help me because I openly admit that I could be a hater. Sometimes there's two, top teams in the NHL that are consistently talked about. There's two teams that everyone kind of has on their radar for going to the Stanley Cup. Who's your uh, Oppenheimer and who's your Barbie between maybe the <laughs> your love and hate this question. Um, the teams that always are being talked about the most right now, the Rangers, uh, the Canucks, the Oilers, um, the Hurricanes are jumping up in the conversation. Where are you leaning towards the top two teams to contend for Stanley Cup? See, I thought you were going to ask me which team was the biggest bomb as well, far as like uh, the Oppenheimer <laughs> angle. But, uh, I, I would say the, Bar the Barbie and Oppenheimer right now, I, I, you go back and forth. The East had a few teams that could have fit the bill as being that other, that other you know, part of the equation. I mean, I think Vancouver is probably the Oppenheimer at this point where, you know, it's a collection of, of, of star players. They're all working together. Everybody's been healthy and they turn out an amazing product. Uh, in Vancouver, for the most part, they, they've hit a little bit of a bump lately, but but overall, I think they've been the best team in the West. But in the East, it, it, you know, whoever the Barbie is has changed. I mean, you know, so there's a lot of high Barbies going on this year, where it's like the Rangers one one month, and then the Bruins, and and then Florida. I would say for me, despite the Rangers' success, I still think Florida has been the most impressive team in the East. Um, you know that they were able to sneakily get through some adversity early on this year when they were missing. Uh, Ekblad and Montour to surgery when Matthew Chuck wasn't scoring goals for some reason. They kind of just pushed through it. And, you know, at the height of their powers, I think I think the Panthers are probably the best team in the East. Uh, they really found something special and were able to carry it over for the playoffs last year. And, uh, you know, to see them play for the Stanley Cup again would, would not be a surprise at this point. This is why you are my hero, Greg, because I thought I was going to look bad because I just can't get on the Rangers train. <laughs> I've had a couple shows the past couple of weeks and whenever they're like Rangers and tell us why they're going. And I'm like, they're not. I or I, I don't foresee it. I can't get on board with it. But um, and I can't particularly pinpoint it. They're playing great hockey right now. But that spotty moment for Shesterkin, I kind of leaned on that for a minute. Some of the injuries that they had to rotate through, I kind of leaned on that for a minute. Um, but I couldn't agree with you more. I think the Florida Panthers are the strongest team in the East also because they're doing something that other teams aren't really doing aside from lately, the New York Rangers with all the fighting, I feel like they outwork their opponent more than any other team. They're exhausting to play against. Yeah. Even if they're not loading up in the goal tally to get through a second period with that team is completely fatiguing. So I just think that they have everything to get back in position. And then of course, Borowski started to stand on his head between the pipes again. And I think that's tremendous. Um, but of course, here come the hurricanes. They've gone through their health adversity. They had the stuff going on with their goaltender. Um, Kachekov, if I said his name correctly, just turned into this superior goaltender as of late. Can they make another run potentially to the second round this year? Yeah, I mean that's what they do. <laughs> the Hurricanes, um, you know, they they have that uh, ability because of the way that Rod Brindamore coaches and the way that the, the, how good their and deep their blue line is to to make any goalie look like as good as as Kachekov has looked for them. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that's why there's never been really panic for them to go out and get 
a Saros or a Markstrom or someone like that because they know inherently they could plug in somebody into that system and they're going to play pretty well. Um, my problem with them is the same problem I had with them last year, which is that they still are a team for me that is missing that one guy that can create a goal in a tight 2-1 playoff series. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, one of the guys that, that I thought would have been perfect for them last summer ended up on the doubles, Tyler Toffoli. Uh, he would have been perfect if if by some uh, miracle Jake Gensel becomes available from the Penguins. I mean, like that, be, he'd be an incredible add for that team in Carolina. Like they they're, they need to find that one person that they can depend on to generate a goal and, mm -hmm. and, and score a goal and, and snipe a goal in, in a critical game. Because if you think back about that uh, series against the Panthers, for example, how close that was, what the margins were throughout that very, you know short series, that's a one goal series, you know, and so. Um, they've, they've lacked it. They've, they've tried to find it with guys like Max Pacioretty who didn't work out. If they had that guy, I'd feel a bit more confident about their chances to make it through, but they're definitely a team that has uh, become pretty adept at at least winning a playoff round. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's a fantastic way to put that. I think I put a lot of leverage on um, Bunnington, maybe being able to be that guy. We saw some good gritty moments out of him um, when he was with the Leafs, but I think that that is going to be crucial, especially because that's where they fell short when getting outworked last year versus the Florida Panthers. Now, before we close out our SAG awards, um, they don't really talk about the nominee in every in every category that doesn't get the award. But who's the team that came in with high expectations and really fell short of the standard or the margin that we all had them in? Um, the nominee, the, the most conversated about, but isn't going to be award worthy this season. Well, the Penguins are one team, but I think I do think that they had some skeptics who were not sure if this veteran collection of players with a middling supporting cast was going to add up to being a playoff team. So the answer is the devils probably, I think, I think, I think New Jersey based on what they did in the playoffs last year, there were people that were assuming they might play for the Stanley cup this year. Um, it, it's been a combination of some bad injury luck, Dougie Hamilton missing the majority of the season for them with a the torn peck, Jack Hughes going out for a month and still not a hundred percent. And then, and then some really, terrible goaltending i mean like, like any 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 forward momentum they get is sometimes subverted by uh bad goaltending and the bad defense in front of them they're just not playing as a team as well as they played last year and i think that they've been the fact that they're scrambling to try to get a, a playoff spot with the you know two months left in the season i think is is something not a lot of people expected and, and they've been a pretty big disappointment yeah, I can totally agree with that. And because you mentioned the Devils and kind of their scramble with with their playoff spots, put my mind at ease. Are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to be a wild card a team that ends up in the playoffs, or should Tampa Bay just kind of start um, nullifying their feelings towards playoffs right now and start looking forward to next season? They've they proved me wrong. I thought they'd miss, and and the fact that they're in a wild card and and still picking up points uh, on a regular basis tells me that they'll probably make it. I mean, it, it, the concern for the Lightning is that um, you, you do have some teams in the Penguins and the Devils that, you know, have the ability to put together three amazing weeks and get right back into this thing. Uh, mm -hmm. The good news for the Lightning is that uh, both of those teams have a path to the playoffs that don't involve the wild card if you don't believe in the Flyers, for example. Um, but I don't know. You know, I... I, I, I I sort of discounted how good the core veteran group on that lightning team is and can be. And, you know, when push comes to shove, Hedman Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, and Vasilevsky, when he when he's on, are still better than half the league, you know, on their own. So 
the work that they've done to make the playoffs has been impressive. And, and, and I, I think at this point, based on the percentages, they're, they're probably going to be a playoff team this year. Thank you for that. Now, before I let you go, you know, we talk about fan reactions. First time we had a chance to chat about this, it was too early to tell. Um, but now it's not too early. We are in the second gearing towards the third portion of the season. So I just want to gauge your reaction on some of these comments, whether you agree with them or <laughs> whether you just wish that the fan would settle down just a little bit. Of course, we had to start with this because it came up previously. Jordy Bennington should be contested as the best goaltender in the league. That's his award hands down. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I mean, he, he is, he's the epitome of hot and cold. I mean, there are times when he puts together two good weeks and you're like, wow, they've, this guy's looks, he looks like the guy that helped them win the cup. And mm -hmm. then there are times when he gets absolutely run out of the arena by D Detroit in a recent game. Uh, no, he is, he's, I mean, he's, he might be, he might be team Canada starter by default in these international tournaments, but he's certainly not one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just still too emotional for me. Emotion's a great aspect of the game, but it could also be costly depending on the timing of it. Yeah. Um, the Rangers have been the ultimate surprise. We're ready to lift our cup. They've been a surprise in how good they, they are, that's for sure. I mean, I don't think I had them top of the league good. Mm -hmm. um, but but ultimate surprise this season, uh, if you're looking for one, has to be the Flyers, I think, just in, in the sense of... We all thought they'd be uh, terrible and and in uh, looking at the uh, the top pick in the draft, but instead they're they're ensconced in the playoff seat right now. Do they have a tendency to choke, Greg? The Flyers? Uh, no, the Rangers. The Rangers? Sure. I mean, they've won one Stanley Cup since 1940. So I mean, <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep standing on that one. Um, this one's great. The Sabers are ruining my life. This is the last time that I go into a season thinking that they're going to actually do something in playoffs. Now, nah, as an as a New York Jets fan, you and a New York Mets fan for that matter, uh, you're never getting rid of this feeling, this 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 hope, this desire, this optimism. This could be the year because you know inherently that when it is the year, you are either going to be crawling back to them or or still on the bandwagon. So, it it sucks. It hurts. It's a team that I think much like. Chicago and Boston before them, the minute that they become relevant, it's going to be this insane surge of, of fan support, not only in Buffalo, but from Buffalo fans around the country. Mm -hmm. um, and I love, I want to see it, but they just can't get out of their own way, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a, that's a tough fandom to be a part of, but I credit you guys for the perseverance. Um, this one, why are we never talking enough about the stars in the West? It's a great question. I, I I think I think they they clearly could win the cup this year. I mean, you know, if if uh, if uh, Jake Ottinger can get back on his game a little bit more, he's been not himself this year. If they can add another veteran or two to their defense core um, at the deadline, I think that that's really the the area of need. But you know, top to bottom, they've got veteran players, they've got scorers, they've got a, a ton of now playoff experience, having gone to the conference final last year. They've got a good coach in Pete DeBoer. Um, they're, 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 they've got most of what you need to win a cup. And, and I think that, um, with all the attention paid to Vancouver and Edmonton and, and Vegas and Colorado, they're, they're certainly a team that has been slept on this year. Absolutely. I always have them as, as one of my tops. I kind of hold them to a higher candle than the abs in a lot of aspects. Um, this one's great. If everyone wasn't such a flyers hater, we'd be talking about Travis Konecki as the heart trophy. <laughs> 
I don't think so. I mean, I, I think he's had a great year. Um, but but to me, the Flyers are one of the ultimate sort of like um, group projects. You know, that I, I think they're a committee of players that have all had their moments and played well, you know, whether it's Konechny or Owen Tippett or or whomever. I think they've had a number of guys that have contributed to the playoff run. I, I don't think that there's one player on that team you can point to and say, this is the reason why they are where they are. I think he's been their MVP, but not necessarily an MVP. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. Um, lastly, or second to last, what the hell happened to the LA Kings? <laughs> It's a good question. I mean, like I, I clearly, you know, they they felt like they needed to make a coaching change. That that Todd McClellan lost the room a bit. Um, they're they're a weird team. I mean, that they they have an incredible assemblage of talent on that team. They clearly have players in on Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty um, that that can give you veteran leadership and, and try to guide you in the right direction. Um, I, I don't know what happened to them because for a while it looks like it looked like they were going to be crushing in the West. Um, you know, clearly they've had some disappointing performances, Pierre-Luc Dubois, top of the list. Um, but I still think that the Kings are a dangerous team. If I'm like, for example, Vancouver, um, that's probably not the team I want to face in the first round based on, on how much, uh, veteran savvy they have and experience they have and how they can throw Kopitar and Deneau out there against anybody's top two lines. I think they can be a dangerous playoff team. Yeah, I, I was definitely a big fan of some of the work that they were putting out there this past year. And then the last one is after what this man did in the Stanley Cup run, why are we not talking more about Matthew Kachuk? Because he's had half a season, basically. He, his goal scoring for the first half of the season, like you were saying before, Casey, like the idea of it being two, you know, three different distinct seasons, his his first season was bad. <laughs> like he wasn't himself. He didn't play well. Uh, and then, you know, come January, he just became this offensive monster. I, I think for for Kachuk, like when the playoffs start and, and the Panthers are now back on track to try to win a cup, all of the conversations about him. I think in the regular season, there have been other stories around the Panthers, be it, you know, Sasha Barkov probably, you know, inheriting the mantle from Patrice Bergeron as your best defensive forward in the league. Sam Reinhart having an incredible goal scoring season. Like there have been other sort of narratives around the Panthers that have gotten attention. But like the minute the playoffs start, then it's going to be Kachuk time again. Yeah, that's totally true. And plus his point streaks and stuff just started to come alive. And that's probably why the, yep. the timeliness of the comment and everything else. Greg, I cannot thank you enough for joining me, for uh, handing out some awards, for painting the perfect picture of where I think the season is at and where we're heading towards. Um, do you have your two teams picked out for the Stanley Cup yet? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I got to figure out who's who's in. I got to figure out what the bracket looks like. I, I wait until the last possible minute to, you know, figure out like that part of the equation. But usually I got to tell you, it usually ends up being, you know, two teams that I picked before the season. And I think I, I, I know I had the Oilers winning the cup before the season. I don't really recall who I had coming out of the East. Might have been the Leafs, uh, okay. to be honest with you. And, and, and if those two teams are both in the playoffs and it looks like they will be, I, I probably will defer to my, uh, preseason picks because again if they hit i'm a super genius and if they yeah. don't then then they don't 
you are one of the few Nostradamuses that I was referring to, of <laughs> course. Um, I hope you enjoy plenty of time with your beautiful baby girl, Iris, Thanks. and that you survive the second going into the third half of the season, because I know this is the most crazy part of the year. Um, no sleep, barely eating, all the great things. And if you guys want to check out any future bets and what you would pick for your two Stanley Cup teams, check out Bet Online once again, because Casing the League as well as Believe Network is brought to you by Bet Online. And until next time, guys, I'm Casey Hudson. This is Greg Wyshynski, and we'll catch you back on Casing the League.